time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Yeah, brother! Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, writer, producer, extraordinaire, creator of the show, Time Hit Billions, Brian Koppelman. We're going to be talking to Brian Koppelman in just a second. First, let me thank the folks that sponsor this podcast for real. Starburns.com. Great comedy at the click of a button. We got Advice Corner. We got Fiery Four. We got Pop Quiz coming up. Great show. And as always, before we get to my guest, the one and only Brian Koppelman, time for the Waterhouse Update. Brought to you by River Glance, the Irish dance sensation where only their eyes move. Coronavirus! Grounding every major sport you've heard of. But, Brian, there's still action out there. Milkweed Nevada, the weak-handed axe-throwing invitational. That's right. Your strong hand tied behind your back, and away you go. Bit of a bloody mess, but wildly entertaining. Last year's champ, Alexis Lefty Blagojevich, back looking to beat his record of almost one target hit in 15 (laughs) throws. You can get action on this, Brian, at Tapioca Dunes Uh, Casino in East Prim. This sport has uh, sort of a built-in social distancing component. That'll be sponsored by Talcoholics. Get addicted to dryness with Talcoholics. Bleak Oklahoma, here's another one you can bet. It's Lacrisse Cross. You've heard of Lacrosse? This is Lacrisse Cross. That's right. Two simultaneous Lacrosse games, one north and south, one east and west. It is a Donnybrook. Don't forget, especially if you're bringing the kids, the stands are inbounds. I'd probably let Graham and Graham Stay home for this one. You can get action on this at the Sly Coyote Indian Casino where uh, the Blister and Thorn Rivers meet in Oklahoma. That'll be sponsored by Exasperilla, the soda that tests your patience. And out on Mildew Island, Florida, David Blaine's latest super event. He will be swallowed whole by a python, which will then be swallowed whole by a hammerhead shark. Place your bets at the Casket Clipper, Florida's closest offshore casino. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by Bananas, the banana guaranteed to ripen tomorrow. Now, finally, it's talk time. My guest today, great writer, producer, director, co-creator, and showrunner of the smash hit Billions on Showtime, Brian Koppelman. Brian, how are you today? Well, it is just, uh, I'm, I feel like this is a lifelong dream, so I'm finally, this is great. I'm thrilled. Thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate you overselling it. We're going to talk career and billions, but let's talk a little sports first. You look like, I always guess what my uh, what my uh, guests may uh, be doing if they were currently in sports. You look to me like you would be the head coach of the robotics team at CCNY. You've got a professorial <laughs> thing going on. <laughs> now you grew up well, in, it, in it, Roslyn Harbor, New York. That's amazing. How'd you survive that? It was, you know, it. The truth of the matter is, it it was tough. I mean, when you would try to go to the tennis club, and then uh, you'd get made fun of for whatever foreign car your parents, you know, might have uh, dropped you off in because it wasn't nice enough, or someone thought it was leased or something like that. So it was tough. 
<laughs> tough as nails. You're this close to getting curbed, as the kids say. Now, uh, yeah, Knicks, Jets, and Yankees, these are your teams, correct? They are. And Well, my favorite sports team is the Knicks. My second favorite is Tiger Woods. For real. I'm not, that, it, goes, it goes Knicks, Tiger Woods, Jets, Yankees. Those are my teams. Yeah, when they were passing out guts, that Woods kid got back in line for second helpings. Amazing what he uh, what he can do. Although I'm a little surprised that golf shut down uh, with the coronavirus. I mean, you could televise that. I mean, a, a caddy and a golfer hardly get within three feet of each other. Just don't have the crowds come, and and you're fine. No, I mean, yeah, it's true. I, I but uh, I guess. Um I guess up there on the on the on the tee, those guys are standing pretty close to one another. But I'm disappointed. I miss golf. I, I, I miss all sports, man. It's uh, you know, you realize just how uncomfortable you are with your own thoughts when sports go. Away. <laughs> yeah, that's really true. Although the other thing with golf, if I may, there's live gators on half the courses down south. What the hell did a coronavirus could do? Now, uh, what's your greatest <laughs> athletic moment? Uh, if you played in high school or anything, or it could have happened yesterday, Brian, leaping over a craft services table to get the last kind bar. Whatever your greatest athletic moment might be, uh, think about it. Let me know what you think. Yeah, what you think? Because uh, I know you've had you well, had I did, some athletics. I did. Uh, I did play two varsity sports. I was uh, I played varsity basketball and varsity tennis. So I, I can't say there were uh, many. Incre- I think I probably would say I, I hit a halftime. Oh no! I'll tell you. I have the answer to this. I beat, uh, and this is true. This is uh, verifiable, and it's been verified on Twitter. I beat Dominique Wilkins in a game of horse. Uh, a couple months ago. God almighty! That, that would be, that would have to be the greatest athletic achievement. He uh, was definitely taking the game lightly at first, uh, and uh, he took a couple shots. I, I made him. He missed one. Again, he wasn't really locked in focus. And then I made uh, a bunch of one-handed threes in a row, and he just missed them. And uh, and then I said, and a lot of people were having to be watching where we were, I'd like to say that I acted like a complete gentleman in victory, but that would be a lie. And I, um, I was like, Nick, I'm telling the whole world because you tried. And I, and he, he then uh, he's like, we got to play again. And I said, well, I'm not running it back against you. You're Dominique Wilkins, one of the greatest NBA players ever. <laughs> I'm some old fat guy, and I just beat you. And but he convinced me to go again. And then when we went again, he walked to the half court line. And he just hit five jumpers in a row from half court. <laughs> just boom, 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 boom. Like angry. And obviously I missed all five. And so he got his revenge and beat me. But I did put the W on the board. That is impressive. That anecdote, incidentally, brought to you by Crambulance, the multi-stop paramedic bus. Cut your emergency travel bill by as much as 80%, Brian, with Crambulance. And, of course, <laughs> turtlenecks. Cut your turtleneck depth in half the fashionable way with turtlenecks. What an incredible thing. You jammed uh, Dominique uh, Wilkins and probably got some of that confidence from your days at Tufts, the Tufts Jumbos. Good, yeah, you know, you're, uh, you're, you went to a liberal arts school when your claim to fame is a great ultimate Frisbee team. Yeah, I, I, uh, 
uh, let me just say that if I want to really want to put a sort of cap on my athletic abilities, I could not make I could not make the tough basketball team. Shooting good shooter or not, uh, because it turns out that if you want to play college basketball, you have to be able to defend somebody. Yeah, you know, you have to be able to defend somebody, and that's where I really would have let the squad down. So, so, so uh, but you beat Dominique. A tough jumbo's hardwood also ran. Beat Dominique Wilkinson, horse. Uh, before films, uh, you're in the record business. And we're going to dive into all your film work and TV and billions and all that stuff. But uh, you got Eddie Murphy's first record deal. And then you discovered Tracy Chapman. So, of course, you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm no good at this. I got to get out of this business. How did you? What, what little animal in you said, I have to write? Well... I mean, if we start, is this uh, is there crying on this podcast? Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, if you, if, uh, I would say, what made Joe Williams want to sing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, had that's, to do it. You had to do it. Yeah, I had to do. Come on, you remember Joe Williams? Sure, the, the singer, great singer, great singer from the old Carson show, and uh, it was always amazing to me that he could get that whole thing out without ever moving his mouth. Yeah, yeah, I know. For, for a lot of my listeners, go uh, go to the YouTube and uh, Joe Williams, either Tonight Show appearances, his appearances with the Count Basie Orchestra. Just check him out. The guy was was he was smoother than uh, Justin Bieber. You're not going to believe it, but uh, what Brian's saying is right. Smoothest. He was the smoothest, coolest kid. Like if you were a kid growing up watching that show. Uh, it, you would see someone like that, and it was so far from what your experience was in life. I mean, for me, anyway, it was just, yeah. I was awestruck by that. Yeah. yeah, he would actually negotiate his uh, deal uh, while he was singing his first number. That's how smooth he was. <laughs> so, so, so you get out of, out of recording just because you have to do it. And you transition kind of into sports stuff. I mean, you got some sports chops in your film. One of your first uh, things you wrote, Rounders, let's be honest, Poker Heaven. And for me, Famke Jansen, wow, uh, uh, you're not shaking any leaves off that tree. And uh, Look at this cast. Martin Landau, Ed Norton, John Turturro, Matt Damon, Johnny Malkovich. It's like the 90s Pistons, for God's sake. You had to be in seventh heaven. You're writing that, and then boom, it gets made. That's impressive. No, it was an incredible thing. I mean, what a mind-boggling thing. My best friend Dave and I wrote it, and uh, Ron said every day watching all of that incredible stuff go down. It was mind-boggling. You know, we were degenerate card players and, and writers, and I think in a long, noble tradition, screenwriters who uh, like to spend time uh, at the poker table. Uh, and uh, I'm sure your old buddy Kevin Pollack could tell you some poker stories as oh, well. Oh, exactly. Uh, now, uh, you're, uh, you're, 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 you, 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 so you played poker. And you probably owed mobsters a lot of money yourself, so you wrote from what you knew. Well, here's where the record business experience pays off. <laughs> Which is, when, when the mere mention the of mobsters business, brought the yeah, record business when, back in. <laughs> when, when you come up in the record business, you're real careful about which mobsters you go into hocks to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, there wasn't that much juice running on my own particular gambling interest, but yes. Uh, once we uh, sold rounders, it did sort of take care of whether poker was a winning or a losing proposition for us for a long time. 
Well, plus, uh, any movie that uses the James Gang's Funk 49 uh, automatically top 10 movie for me. That's impressive. Yeah, it's a great. That's a, well, there's no one who makes a guitar riff like Mr. Joe Walsh. Now, that's unbelievable. Now, now, so so you knew the game. Uh, there's terms and there's things in there that baffle me still, uh, as Kevin Pollack can attest. I lost $200 uh, in a game once uh, just sitting down. I had I literally had I sat down had to leave to go to the ATM. Uh, now, uh, what what is a nut straight? Well, the nut straight would be the best uh, the best straight that uh, all I want to do is make references when I'm talking to you like Elkie Summers could tell you what a nut straight is. But, uh, <laughs> hey, a lot of talent on, on that gal. Elky I mean, Summer. This is not something I would say to anybody else, but how am I not going to say that to you? No, exactly. Uh, Let's go. Elky Summer, right. Joey Heatherton, right. come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, the nut straight is the best straight uh, on the board at a given time. Wow. Now, what's playing on tilt? Is that somebody who's just off center? Is that somebody who's lost sort of a. a... Often, yeah. Well, if you're on tilt, that means. Uh, often it happens after a bad beat. You thought you were going to win a hand, some guy sucks out on you, and then suddenly you decide to throw caution to the wind. You play uh, very off balance. You're you're no longer in control of yourself. You're, you're on tilt. Off wow. Hand. I kind of got that right. That's very rare here on the <laughs> show. Brian, uh, that uh, that correct answer by me brought to you by Ad Nauseum, the tummy medicine that really works if you keep taking it and taking it and taking it and Zestimate. Get bad news from your contractor with a wink and a smile at Zestimate. Now, then you also did a 30 for 30 in the sports world called This Is What They Want That Day. It's, it's kind of how uh, a tennis legend Jimmy Connors became Jimmy Connors, but through the crazy exactly. comeback prism of the 91 Open when he was 39, which in tennis years is 103. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that guy is uh, one of the great characters of all time, one of the great athletes and competitors. And it was uh, I grew up working at the U.S. Open. so And as I said, I played high school tennis. I've been a tennis player my whole life. And, and you know, that guy's ability at that age to almost win that tournament is just an incredible thing. I mean, Jim Courier ended up winning it, but what uh, what Connors did is, is really remarkable. Yeah, now now you uh, said you worked there. What would you do at the U.S. Tennis Open? I'm just uh, working in one of the clothing booths selling clothes. But my whole I did it for three years as a, a kid in high school, and it was great because you would get a badge that got you onto the uh, ground. And then you could sneak out onto the courts, you could sneak into the players' lounge, you could hang out with them and meet them, and you could play tennis sort of anytime you weren't working. You could sneak your way onto a court that wasn't in use. Wow, and uh, you got to play morning, a little bit. Tonight. Wow, that's yeah, impressive. Great. great stuff. Now, uh, you got a little bit of that New York savvy. Uh, and, and you know you're uh, you're 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 sneaking into the U.S. tennis club. You're selling clothes or hats or something to rich people, and then sneaking out of the court and playing. Uh, you're you're playing poker, uh, games all over the place. You're smart enough to go out of hell, New York. I'm going to college at Tufts because nobody will know what the hell my grades actually are. So you got some savvy. Is this a tool that you felt uh, comes in handy in show business? Yeah. I mean, no one, no one, uh, first of all, here's the thing. The moment you start thinking you have show business, I don't have to tell you this. The moment you, uh, 
think you have any part of show business figured out. That's the moment that they pull the rug. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to take any bows, man. I'm just going to say that, yeah, knowing how to avoid yeah, getting their ass kicked when you don't have the money to pay the guy who just beat you in pool comes in handy in show business. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Now, uh, you, you, what's the most amazing thing for before we move off Connors? Uh, what was the most amazing thing you discovered doing that 30 for 30? And folks, you can see this at ESPN 30 for 30. It's called This is What They Want. Uh, what's the most amazing thing you, you discovered about Jimmy Connors? Well, I mean, just the fact that he truly didn't care about being liked. Most of us, most of us on some level, if we're, you know, if we're seeing these people are competing against day in, day out, you're on a circuit the way that they were, you would think that the interpersonal relationships would matter a little bit. This guy just did not give a fuck. All he cared about was winning. And uh, the documentary really explores, like, why, why, why? And it's incredible. You know, you find out that when he, his mom was a professional tennis player, she would never let him in, and she would just crush his soul and crush his spirit. So his whole life, he was just uh, just trying to somehow be good enough uh, for her. It propelled him to seven Grand Slam championships, you know, one of the greatest of all time. So complete and utter uh, soul-crushing as a youth propelled him to be great. Well, uh, a tip of the cap to Jimmy Connors' mom there. Uh, and, and that uh, brought Absolutely. you— Absolutely. Yeah, that, without, uh, that tip brought to you by Weeds. We're not as pretty as flowers, but we grow out of solid concrete, for Christ's sake. Throw some love towards us. That's Weeds. <laughs> Let's dive into billions, Brian. What a cast. Here you got another cast. You, I, I, you have had some, uh, some great skill and great good fortune, and I'm imagining the New York moxie helps you get somewhere with it. Look at this kid. Paul Giamatti and Damian Lewis, first of all, for starters. That's like uh, Larry Zonka and Jim Kick of acting. These guys are ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, now what's where's this? Paul? Where's Paul? Where's Paul Warfield in that? Yeah, uh, well, he's your, he's your swing back. He's that guy who plays Wagner. <laughs> that guy's the swing back. He's the one who takes it outside when you least expect it. Oh, they pitched it! Look how Warfield's gone. He's that guy. Mercury Morris. Yeah, uh, Garo Yepremian. I'm just trying to see how many of these guys I can fill in. Yeah, Garo, I know Yepremian. Nick Bonacani. Yepremian still now. Uh, good enough to play quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Uh, uh, was the timing of billions pure serendipity, or, or did you consciously think, you know, uh, let's do something about high finance right now? Or did you have this project in the back of your bag and say, boom, let's bring it to the front? How'd this come about? Well, we, we've we been thinking about these kind of guys for a really long time and and their place in the world, and we felt like it was a – I, I can't. It's not like you can decide. You can know when something's going to catch the public imagination. All, all you can really do is recognize if you're fascinated by something, and then sort of try your best to tell the story. If I can just be earnest for a second, I mean, it's sort of like when Sonny Bono first looked at you. I mean, did he really know? Uh, he just knew he liked what he saw. You know what I'm saying? Did he really yeah. know the rest of the country? That's stretching the definition of earnest. But yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Uh, 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 now, uh, when you say we, you're talking about uh, this guy you've been uh, splitting your paycheck with for a while, David Levian, uh, uh, and you guys have been writing for a long time. So when you dive into the world of billions, the f- world of high finance, high-level finance, and these big wigs throwing billions of dollars around, uh, um, d- did you know much about it, or did you just have to dive in and go, we got to learn Well, first of all, his name is, uh, we pronounce the name Levine, but uh, we... Uh, well, then they got to put the E on the other side of the N, because it's spelled L-E-V-I-E-N. I agree, man. He's been my best friend since we're 14, 15 years old, and it, it, I've been telling him for a long time that that name is Levian. But he insists on calling it Levine, something about uh, honoring the way his dad and grandfather and great-grandfather all pronounced it. But, uh, yeah. Well, I think he's got to straighten First of all, before you go on, he's got to straighten that out uh, because there's a reason I'm talking to you and not him, and it's it's that kind <laughs> of uh, stubbornness that uh, that Levine guy's showing that he's he's got to iron that out. We, uh, yeah, we do a tr- tremendous amount of research. We go all the way in, and we spend a lot of time with people on the legal side and the hedge fund side to try to figure out, uh, you know, how it works and how they think and, and all that stuff. Now, uh, so so you're diving in. Then you put together this incredible cast. Uh, but but you know, like you say, it's still it's still you're just it's like it's like uh, when uh, uh, the, uh, when uh, the coyote runs out against the roadrunner out out to just sheer air and doesn't realize for four yeah. seconds. That's what show business is. When do you think you know that you might have something? It, do you have, literally have to wait until Showtime says you got a season two? Uh, well, in this one, in this one, I th- when we wrote the script, we we knew we had something that would get made. We knew it had that that sort of um, that sort of propulsive energy, and we knew that it would attract talent, as you're saying, these actors and and. Uh, but you never know. And then when we made the show, we we could see that these actors were incredible, that the performances were so great, that it was incredibly compelling to us. But yeah, man, until people watch the thing, you don't know what kind of a life it's, it's going to have. I mean, there were a lot of people backslapping and high-fiving the day before Chevy Chase's uh, talk show premiered. Yeah, wow. You, you know what I mean? The Sunday before the show was on, his agents were talking about the yacht they were going to get him when they renegotiated season five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, you just never you just know. Don't know. You don't know, but yeah. you got to know a little bit because there's scenes in there. Like, uh, 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 first of all, uh, you got the uh, the uh, Malkovich coming back, and he's doing the whole. He's re- he's he's replaying the Russian accent he used in Rounders, and and he's playing this this guy. I think is one of the greatest American actors of all time because he's playing a big, hardcore, scary heavyweight. And yet at the same time, how do you not laugh at what he, he's incredible? He brings out the humor in these scary, fierce guys. And you're just off camera. You must I, – I wouldn't even be able to show up because I'd ruin every take. There's nothing like – having John Malkovich say words, you're right. It is true. Like it is one of the all time great things on earth is, I mean, those are the moments that you, 
those are the moments that it's great. That you, you know, I'm doing this with my lifelong best friend, Dave, because you can look at across the, you know, we can each be standing on one side of the camera, look over at each other. And it's hilarious to us that uh, a couple of jerks like us from where we grew up uh, are able <laughs> to now have the great John Malkovich thing, the ridiculous shit that we write for him. It's really, it's a, it's a shocking and amazing thing and, and a, an actual privilege to be honest with you, man. I what mean, a great a, a feeling. Crazy thing. Yeah. What a, what yeah. a tremendous feeling to know. And, 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 you know, cause there are kids listening to this and these kids out there have dreams. Those dreams can come true. I mean, you can be out there, uh, uh, literally just elbowing a guy out of the uh, tennis hat booth at the U S open. I'll take over Correct. from here. And then uh, thir- uh, 20, 30 years later, boom, you're, you're, you're watching John Malkovich say your words. Hey, here's some of my favorite scenes. I love the scene where the guys, uh, where uh, the guys pretend to be arguing, but Axe is actually telling him he loves him. I think it's the character named Axe, played by Damian Lewis, and the Bill Stern character, who yeah, uh, Bill Stern, played by by uh, Portland Trailblazers fanatic Kelly Acoin. Exactly there there right. you go. And those two go. How do you come up with a scene where you go, okay? He's going to tell him he loves him. I mean, that was the great. The writer of that episode, the guy named Willie Reale, is a brilliant guy. And we sat in the room together, the writer's room, kicking these ideas around and figuring out how to deploy that, where it should go, how to use it, how these guys can have a fake fight. And then we had this woman, Karen Kusama, directed the episode. I and mean, that's the thing about making TV. The job Dave and I have, we're just show running this whole thing, is you're putting these incredibly talented people together and you're just trying to create a platform where they can do amazing work. And that's one example of uh, that's a moment where it all came together just perfectly. But that's that is great advice right there, because what you're saying is, is as good as you guys are and as 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 driven as you are to hear your words said by these great actors, you also got to know, you know, we got to take a step back. We got a lot of talent in this room. Uh, we're going to use it all. You got to play That's a little right. bit of Bill Belichick there, and you go. You know what? We got James White out of Wisconsin back here. Hand right. the ball, see what he can do. Boom! Look at him. So you got to know you got to create that environment. Let these people do what they do best. That's pre- that's pretty uh, pretty impressive. How do you keep a straight face? Because uh, here's one thing I uh, I can tell just by who you've done, who you've used in your movie, that you got a great love of comedy as well. And you do a scene where the Bill Stern character, who's the fixer. He's kind of the fixer, but he's sort of an anti-fixer fixer. That's a smart move because mostly fixers are big bulky guys in movies. And you picked a guy who kind of looks like an overworked geometry teacher, and and, and he's your fixer. And then you, that whole chicken thing, forget it, Bill. It's chicken town uh, uh, where you, it's sort of a funny homage to Chinatown. But at the Absolutely. same time, it's an important scene, in, not only in that episode, but in the arc of billions. But again, you got to be behind the camera just keeping three fingers to your lips, hoping you don't laugh and spoil the Well, tape. look, we love the fact that our audience gets completely invested in this show, cares a great deal about the characters as we do and about the stories we're telling. But also, we are guys who like to laugh. And if we can give it to you with a smile also, it make you understand that you're on our wavelength. You get the joke. So if you know Chinatown, if you understand that reference, that's great. If you don't, you just hear Chicken Town, that's great. We're putting it out there, and you can get from it what you get from it. You know, yeah, we're huge comedy fans. I and mean, you can tell that. We have Alan Havey on our show, yeah. one of the great stand-up comedians. Sure, and you uh, had him in Rounders, too, with Lenny Clark. Well, the, the secret is I met Havey when I was 19, and he was 33, and we're, we've been best friends ever since. 
That, that's pretty uh, impressive. And, and you yeah. know, they, I hate to bring it full circle uh, because I rarely do things like that. Uh, usually I just uh, uh, skim the surface. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but look at this. Uh, uh, part of that whole bringing it uh, full circle for me and part of it for what you guys are doing with the tone of the show is is that moxie that you learn uh, as a survivor in New York at the age of 6, 8, 10, 11, 12. That's then right. you start to exercise and you realize that life, as brutal as it is, is still on one level and always will be a comedy. And, and, and uh, that's where the great Gary Shandling uh, did it sort of from the reverse side, coming from the sitcom side. But he wrote it like it was a drama. He wrote Larry Sanders. One of the it was greatest a drama. shows of all time. A huge inspiration. That's one of Larry Sanders shows like top five show for me all time. Uh, that's impressive. Well, listen, we're right here. I got a bona fide, a big time writer, producer, uh, 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 does it all, co showrunner, or the whole thing. Although I think you're carrying that David Levy and guy. Anyway, uh, it's time for Advice Corner. Actual takeaway from the great Brian Koppelman. I'm going to ask you five questions here. Uh, just give a straight answer because you never know. Uh, there's a kid out there going, hey, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I could be this guy someday. Uh, here's question number one. Quick writer's tip to break out of procrastinating. And boy, do we need it now. A lot of writers at home during the coronavirus, and they're still finding ways to, hey, i got to straighten out my shoelace box, things like that. How do you break out of a procrastinating cycle? Do uh, morning pages, as described by Julia Cameron in the book, The Artist's Way, which is three longhand uh, pages that you fill out, stream of consciousness first thing in the morning. Next question. Fork in the road in a script. How do you choose a direction? You like both directions, but you know you can only take one. How do you choose? Well, it'd be like asking a comedian, how do you find the punchline? I mean, that comes from time and from not lying to yourself. You can't like both equally. So you literally close your eyes and go, what's my gut telling me? I'm taking that road. Beautiful general rule for when to take an executive note and when to push back. It's the same answer. It's, uh, how does it feel? You know it's the same answer. It's, uh, how does it land for you? How does it feel? Yeah, but still sometimes, are there ever a time, I'm going to take a question 3A, sidetrack. Is there ever a time when you go in your gut, I should push back, but you hold back because there's, as as you know, as a show owner, there might be other reasons to not push the point at that point. Does that ever happen to you? I'm not great at playing the political games. My whole approach to all this stuff is to calculate less. I feel like if someone gives you a note and it's a good note and you tell them, then you kind of buy yourself the right to tell them, well, I think there's another way to attack it. You're not rude. You're not a dick. You just go, hey, I hear the, I hear what you're saying. Let me take a look and see if there's another way to solve the problem. Yeah, that's the key right there, though, that not a dick part. A lot of guys don't get that. Uh-oh, all-night rewrite coming. What is Brian Koppelman's fuel of choice? What do you drink or eat or use when you know you're you're looking at a page one rewrite and it's got to be done tomorrow morning? Well, for years I would say I use pizza, but uh, now I'm just uh, on the straight and narrow and I'm drinking a lot of LaCroix. Just a lot of LaCroix, LaCroix water, oh boy. That's, yep. that's, that's, that's when you got that's when Levian earns his paycheck right there, buddy. <laughs> Way to help you shorten your recovery time 
after a disappointment, that bounce back, you've had a lot of, you occasionally mention it on your Twitter. Long walks and exercise, man. Like long walks and exercise. Playing sports still to this day. Like if I'll go out now in this, this uh, situation where we're all at home for the COVID-19. I'll make sure I go jogging or I'll go play a sport. Uh, I'll do something just to change my head in that way. Sports have always been, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was a kid who played on the basketball team and directed the junior musical. I've always had a, a foot in both worlds. And, and I think there's nothing like the way you become present when you're, when you're playing some kind of sport. So even now at 53, I'm still active. I still go out get out there and get after yeah, get, uh, go down to Rucker Park and see if Dominique Wilkins will get in a game of horse. That advice exactly. corner brought to you by Miserati, the Jewish sports car. Now, oh, this is exciting. It's time for the Fiery Four. The Fiery Four. Brian Kappelman, these are sports takes hotter than Korean films after a Best Picture Oscar. Fire number one. Why isn't poker in the Olympics, just as much as sport as half the crap they got in there. Well, it might have to do with uh, the Olympic committees frowning on gambling. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, you could play for a uh, you know you play for pizza. You don't have to gamble. You could play. It could be this a skill. I mean, maybe if you uh, maybe if you had to ski, you had to maybe if you had to. Uh, cross-country ski to the poker table, play a couple hands, and then cross-country ski back. <laughs> so it's, the, it's it. the non-violent biathlon. I like it. Exactly right. <laughs> Fire exactly. number two. You, Brian Koppelman, our commissioner for a day, what would you have done in the Houston Astros cheating scandal? What would your punishment have been? Take the World Series away. Got to, don't you? Yep, got to strip them of the title. And let's be honest, garbage cans at this point are thinking, hey, leave us out of this, Astros. Fire number three. Can Tom Brady lead someone other than New England to a Super Bowl? Or quite frankly, is 43 just 43? Are his legs going to give out like your aunt on a hoverboard? Is he going to announce announce this week, right? I think so, yeah. I mean, if he goes to San Francisco, yeah, he can lead him to a Super Bowl. Wow, you think so even at 43? Yeah, I do. Forty-three and pissed off. Yes. Ah, ah, yes. That's a writer thinking from the uh, origin, the emotional origin, the gut. And finally, fire number four. How do you fix your New York Knicks, or are they like the Globetrotters now? We're just uh, waiting for some confetti to pop out of one of the guys' asses. I don't think I can top confetti out of the asses. To be honest with you, I think we got to wrap this thing up. <laughs> that fiery four brought to you by the Marianas trench coat, featuring the deepest pockets in the business. Now, I understand you, Brian Koppelman, may have a pop quiz for me. Uh, we got a quick theme song. Here it is. Boom, pop, pop, pop quiz. Fire away. Three questions from Brian Koppelman. See if he can stump Chet Waterhouse. Okay, the great Earl, the Pearl Monroe, had uh, a human mascot who followed him. Baltimore Bullets to the New York Knicks. What was his name? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to guess Jimmy. I took a shot. <laughs> it was Dancing Harry. Of course. Damn it. There's no dancing Jimmy's. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't even come close on that one. Okay. I'm 0 1. Let me see if I can grab the second one. What is the name of the lead singer of Ario Speedwagon? Oh, man. Ario Speedwagon. Uh, I'm going to go Tommy Shaw, but that sticks. Please, Kevin Cronin. 
And lastly, what is the movie about gambling in the early 70s that James Kahn started? Uh, it was called uh, uh, Wild Ride, and it uh, featured a, a, a nude scene from, of all people, Red Skelton. You're correct. Unbelievable. <laughs> wow. I, I pulled that one out of my ass. That pop quiz brought to you by Sugary Drinks. Don't just hydrate, carbohydrate. My guest today, the amazing Brian Koppelman. Follow Brian on Twitter. Where do they follow you on Twitter, Brian? What's your... Uh, at Brian Koppelman. There you go, at Brian Koppelman. Brian Koppelman. As spelled correctly, David Levinen. Check out his excellent podcast, The Moment, with Brian Koppelman. Uh, you can find that anywhere you find your podcast. Do yourself a favor. You're staring at some serious indoor time. You've already got a darts injury. Just sit down and binge watch Billions. You will thank me, and then you will thank Brian Koppelman. Go to Showtime. Watch that. Uh, call an Uber, baby. That show's out of the park. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Thanks, man. That was fun. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and follow my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. Visit JeffCesario.com for upcoming dates. He's got an album coming out. What was I thinking? Early summer. Thanks to all of you for listening. Support my sponsor, Starburns.com. And if you want more of me this weekend, I'll be calling the Social Distancing Championships for the Mayo Clinic website. Our leaderboard right now, D.B. Cooper, J.D. Salinger, and a potential living Elvis. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.